First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Let's go to the running backs. Austin Eckler, I feel your pain. I want you guys to get paid. I really do. I don't think you have much of a platform to stand on, though, and there's really not a lot you can do about it with seven years left on the current CBA. But I understand why you're so upset. Fantasy-wise, I don't see any reason to downgrade Austin Eckler. I do have him at three, not at two, because I love Bijan, and I have to have Christian McCaffrey at number one. But I don't see – there's always this talk about getting him off the goal line, giving that work to somebody else. But then – Roster-wise, they didn't really improve. They're still trying to run Josh Kelly at me, who's been terrible and given those opportunities. So, Bob, when I look at this, I don't see anything changing for Austin Eckler. No, they've they've the Chargers have swung and missed three times at that that <laughs> other back. Which you know, for I'm I'm not gonna lie, I, I don't think there's a zero percent chance that they end up landing somebody. Three months, I don't know. So. Uh, so we'll see, but, but, uh, that doesn't materially change how I view Eckler and I'm with you. He's going to be my running back too. Uh, he has the most touchdowns in the NFL over the last two seasons. Uh, yes. Touchdown regression is a thing, except Austin Eckler keeps telling me it's not. I mean, if, if the regression is two touchdowns a year, I'll take it and I'll take the 16 touchdowns he scores this year based on that. So no, I think he's, a, I think he's a lot solid. You know, it's, it's the receiving equity that keeps him there. Uh, we saw the way Tony Pollard was used in Dallas. He will be part of the, you know, if you think Kellen Moore is coming in and, and going to noticeably change the uh, approach with, uh, in terms of Eckler's usage, I don't expect that. So he's locked in as my number two. Well, talking about usage, I harp on this every single year. Look for running backs who are, are supposed to be free agents the following season because teams don't care. They'll just use them up. That's the situation Austin Eckler is in on top of being 28 years old. That's why I don't see the usage going away yeah. in any in any shape, way, or form. They have no reason to hold him back, and I don't think they're going to. The only question I guess some people bring up, and it's a valid point, and I'll ask this to Danielle. When Mike Williams and Keen Allen were on the field, we did see a drop-off in his overall targets, but do you care about that as far as when we're ranking him in, inside that top Five, I guess you could say, with uh, I think the consensus right now is is Christian McCaffrey, uh, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, B. John Robinson, all kind of mixed in there. Does that go into your your thinking or at all or no? Not necessarily. I mean, we saw this last season that didn't really affect him at all, and I don't see it affecting him this much this year. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of a drop off when they're on the field and they're healthy mm-hmm. and down 
getting close to scoring, I think it could obviously make a difference, but I don't think it's going to be enough for me to lean towards another running back instead. Obviously it just kind of depends on who's open when it's your turn to draft, but I'm definitely looking to draft Eckler in my top for my running back one spot. Yeah. yeah, smallest starting running back in the NFL, and he scores the most touchdowns. Who would have right. thought? And, you know, you mentioned the targets. I mean, if he falls off from the 127 back to 100, okay, I'll be fine with that. I mean, again, that's you know, we could think back to the, you know the heyday of Alvin Kamara, where you know Drew Brees was hitting him 100 targets a game a year, and he was catching 80 of those. That's a lot of extra points, you know, in PPR or half point PPR, whichever you're playing. Yeah, and uh, that would still make him either number one or number two, depending upon what McCaffrey's doing yep. if he's staying healthy, basically. So that, that's where you're just not worried at all about Austin Eckler this year. Have to be a little bit concerned right now with Josh Jacobs to some degree. And then this guy, consensus-wise, is about eight. I do have him eighth right now, but I am getting a little bit concerned. And not just because of the holdout situation. I do think he'll be on the field at some point. But Jacobs is a guy who consistently... While he doesn't miss games, consistently is dealing with some sort of nagging issue that he's constantly playing through. And last year was fantastic because coming into it, he knew he had to get paid and he was really probably in the best shape we've ever seen Josh Jacobs be in. Now, all of a sudden, you come to this year, you have more of a contract dispute, maybe not as motivated to give it his all as of a result. And I kind of question a little bit, are you in tip-top shape? And with a guy like Josh Jacobs, with the workload he's had over the past few years, I start to worry about this year being a year where we see him miss a handful of games due to injury, not due to the holdout. But, Bob, where are you at on trying to value Josh Jacobs right now? We're trying to figure out when is he going to come back to camp and what are we looking at going into the season? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the touches were massive last year. And it's something you mentioned, you know, players going to contract years. Uh, we had talked about this at length heading into last season, what our expectations were for Josh Jacobs. And I think, you know, on the serious show, we had mentioned numerous times. I mean, it's entirely possible they treat him like a rental car. They just drive the wheels off him. Or it's possible they revert back to their New Englandy ways and mix up the, the backup. I feel the same this year. It could go either way. Maybe, you know, maybe we see a little more of a mix. I know talking to some people, you know, in Vegas, this just this, in the recent days, uh, Vic Tafer feeling from the athletic feeling like, you know, maybe we'll see a little more that they, they think Zemir Fway is very explosive and, and maybe we see a little more of him in his year now removed from the ACL. So um, I still feel like we're probably going to see the, the majority of it's going to be Josh Jacobs. I don't have him, you know, is my, I have him, I have him as a running back one, but he's down at the tail end. I've kind of vacillated between 10 and 11. I think I have him at 11 at the moment. Um, and maybe I gain a little more confidence when he gets into camp. We can go, I'll go back. I mean, I don't think he's going to pass up on, you know, 11 million, $10.9 million, you know, but Levy and Bell changed the way we all have to couch that by saying, well, that never happens to, well, it happened once. So I hope it doesn't happen again. So <laughs> I don't think it will happen. And maybe they come to a deal like they did with the Giants did with Saquon that makes him happy and feel a little, feel a little more comfortable with where he's at, or at least uh, takes the edge off his anger. Yeah, I mean, the big difference with Jacobs in general is that you're not going to be he's, – he's not going to be the guy that everyone hates in your drafts who is falling in the third, fourth, fifth rounds because right. nobody wanted to take him. You're going to have to pay up for him this year because no one's going to be caught sleeping on a Josh Jacobs. So I guess my question to Danielle is to you is this. At his ADP, which right now on FFPC is about that third round as it stands today, and I might be dipping a little bit as we get more into camp and he's still holding out, but at the third round – are you comfortable taking a Josh Jacobs there or no? I don't know. I was really big on the Josh Jacobs wagon before last year and kind of 
last year was a weird year and everybody just didn't think he was going to do great at all and exceeded all everybody's expectations. And now people are, I think, a little bit too high and thinking like, oh, well, he's going to be our RB1. Like you can get him instead of Saquon maybe. And like some people are just really putting him like in that top five running back position, which is great. I do love Jacobs and that's awesome. He's getting that recognition. Mm -hmm. However, that is too high for him this season. He's not going to have the exact same season as he did last year. He's going to regress most likely. And so I personally think I'm just leaning towards other running backs. If for some reason he falls and I looking for a running back at the time, and there's no other better options. Obviously I'm going to take him because I do really like him, but not really looking to pay too much for him um, compared to other running backs right now in the league. Yeah. I think that's fair. I just yeah. want to say the 340 attempts were like 80% of the Raiders total attempts as a team. That seems like unlikely <laughs> to repeat, but again, um, I think there comes a point where he's going to become a value. It's, it's, it's in that, you know, in that third round range. And again, it's probably, you know, like if you're doing a, maybe a receiver heavy build or you're doing something else and you're coming around to that third round and you see Josh Jacobs as that anchor running back or you're running back one, and maybe you have some upside plays later on. I feel like pretty confident that he's going to have a stable enough workload that I could live with him as my running back one. If I'm going with that build. Oh, 100%. And again, his ADP is going to, consistently come down the longer he holds out. So there is a chance here we see Jacobs wind up becoming a value over the next couple of weeks. For me right now, that's a little bit too rich when I have I have a lot of guys in that that uh that 18 to 24 area that I'm really intrigued by, especially if I'm taking the strategy if I'm am going to go wide receiver early. It was but when we're talking full point PPR and halfway PPR in particular, where I would rather take the Alexander Madison, the Rashad White, the Miles Sanders, and kind of run it out there if I'm stock loading receivers. But now if Jacobs is going to fall back in third, fourth. Now, now we're talking. Now I'm not going to pass up that kind of a value. So that's kind of where I'm sitting at here when you're looking at that situation. Talk about situations that are hard to predict, or at least I think are harder to predict than maybe they're getting credit for. And that's the Chiefs right now. Everyone pretty much assumes, at least who I've talked to so far, we'll see what Bob has to say, that they're just assuming it's going to be what it was in the back half of last season, where it was Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. With Clyde Slayer, he was hurt, but even before that was losing snaps and it seemed like he was losing his job anyway. I am not willing to just throw CEH away as if he's yesterday's garbage and think that he's not part of this equation. Now, I don't think he's a lead guy. I do think Pacheco's a lead guy, and McKinnon will probably still be out-targeting him to some degree. But I think he's there to be annoying enough where I don't really value guys like Pacheco at 28 where they're going at right now, or even McKinnon as a sleeper, you know, back in the round 13 right now in FFPC. Bob, how do you see this committee shifting out? <clears throat> I think... I'm not getting a lot of Isaiah Pacheco for the, for the reason you said I have concerns and I think CEH in best ball for me is like a, you know, on my list of free square plays last round guy that, that I grab and I may get a week or two out of him, and I may not. And if I don't, I won't care. Right. Cause it's the last round. So <clears throat> I think you're picking as much that offense and the past draft capital and hoping for him to regain some, regain some ground. Uh, you know, I'm not as dismissive of McKinnon because I like the price range where he's going. I don't know that he has the exact same role. I don't think he's going to be, you know, running back two over the last six weeks of the season again, uh, <clears throat> but it's possible. And at that price point that he's going at and I'm getting him as a running back four, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, Danielle, shoot your shot here. Who do you think this breakdown is going to be? 
this is just so hard to predict. You're asking me to like predict the weather for three months from now. I feel like uh, <laughs> that's what we is... do on this show. <laughs> yeah. So don't take anything for what I'm about to say word for word and just say, oh, well, she said so. And I, that's why, <laughs> because this is going to be so interesting to see play out. I personally think I like Pacheco just a little bit more. So I, if I were to choose between McKinnon and Pacheco for my team, I'd most likely be choosing Pacheco. However, I have no idea what the Chiefs are thinking for what their running back lineup is going to be. I do really like Clyde Edwards, though. And if he, for some reason, enters back into the equation as like a full-time running back, like we've seen in past seasons, he does have a lot of upside. And if for some reason that does happen, I will be picking him up in the offseason because most likely he'll be out and available to grab depending on the league that you're in. So Mm -hmm. I would definitely just be watching out for him because he might be um silent but he might be deadly about halfway through the season yeah i think the way we're talking about all these guys we're all but ensuring generic prince ends up doing something and spoiling all their rides so. exactly <laughs> or or cream hunt comes back to the chiefs that, or, or like i didn't want to throw it out there because i i think that's entirely <laughs> kareem hunt is a player that nobody's talking about who's going to land somewhere and really mess up a lot of best balls yeah, I could totally. I mean, that's, it's what the Chiefs do. If you look over the past few years, they bring in some veteran who's been ostracized by the rest of the league and see what he has left. I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked if it happened at all. Talk about committees, or at least with, I think it's going to be more of a committee now that Javante is actually getting healthier. But the Perrine and Javante Williams situation now. I am actually getting excited by Javante Williams. Uh, Danielle and I, we had Brian Scott from the Angelus podcast on about a week ago, and his medical expertise has been pretty much on point when it comes to a lot of these players. And he was laying out that he's feeling pretty good about Javante Williams, not just the fact that he'll be active for week one, but that maybe this is not a J.K. Dobbins situation, and maybe we can expect some pretty good production out of him earlier in the season than we were necessarily projecting him to do. And actually, as a result, I've moved Javante Williams. I had him at RB27. I've moved him inside my top 24 as we're getting more and more confident with him. Uh, but when I look at this, I still see a split between Samaja Perrine and Javante Williams to some degree. And I think, and my question, Bob, to you is, could Perrine take on that Melvin Gordon role that keeps Javante at about 45% of the team carries? Uh, entirely possible, right? So I, I think if I could start, right now, I feel like, you know, I'm not going to move Williams into my top 24. And I think in, like on, I want to say underdog, he's 27 right now. I think that's fair, right? Taking a shot on him as your running back three or in that running back three territory seems like, you know, it feels a lot better than going with him as a number two. P Ryan is there for a reason. Then they didn't add anybody else. I think for a reason, I think because they think P Ryan can get the job done. So assuming that's, you know, that's their stance. I mean, I have plenty of shares of P Ryan because he is really going way late, uh, especially, you know, on both best ball tens and underdog. Over the course of the last couple of months, he's been dirt cheap. And so that that's changing a little bit. And, the you know, he's moved up the ranks a little bit. I mean, I, I, you know, I know who was it on Twitter? Dr. Jesse Morse throughout on Twitter. I mean, he had a really good take where he basically just said, uh, you know, be careful. Right. As far as we know, here's what exactly what he said. Only three players have suffered similar injuries to Williams, meaning the three tears. Wentz, Dobbins, Gus Edwards, all three returned to struggle in their first year back. Like, Expecting someone to be the outlier of this group, you know, or banking on him to be the outlier of this group seems like a bit of a, you know, 
I'm going to be more cautious than that with him and set my expectations a little lower. And if he outperforms them, fantastic. Good for you, Javante Williams. I hope you do. Uh, and, and But I'm not going to build my team around the, the notion that that's exactly what he's going to do. I'd be more cautious in my approach than, than that. So, and But I think you can do both, right? I think you can be cautious, still have him on your roster, and maybe reap some benefits late in the season. Yeah, I think by putting him at 24, all I'm ensuring is that whoever follows my rankings and myself is that I'm going to get Javante Williams at least sure. as my RB3. And yep. I think that was my goal behind that. And that's what you yeah, that's, that's a good point to bring up with people. You know, you're, you're going off of a certain person's rankings or whatever the case may be. Know that those rankings are don't hamstring you from being able to make moves or you have to take that player where they're <clears throat> ranked at. Take them because... I'm Go ahead, Bob. I imagine don't be a prisoner ADP. Don't be a prisoner of anyone's right. rankings, even your own, right? I mean, you, you have rankings, but this just in, you can't perfectly predict the future. It's a tricky business, right? right. Uh, so go with a, you know, uh, you mentioned ECR, the expert consensus ranking at Fantasy Pros, you know, to kind of get a feel for what the world feels, but then make your adjustment there. But also if you want players and it depends on how the draft, the flows of draft are going, there's a lot of moving pieces there. Just don't be a prisoner uh, to a list, right? Be a prisoner to how you're feeling in the moment, you know, be, you know, good drafters are fairly disciplined. They know the range of players and, and give that player a range, you know. So a lot of people draft, you know, JJ Zacharies does it. Draft it, you know, rank in tiers. Yes. That's a good way to do it and pull players out of tier groups rather than from a specific number because your odds of predicting that specific number are not great. I 100% agree. Danielle, where do you have Javante? I know you were a little lower on him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit lower on him, but if he is available and I'm looking for my RB3 spot, I'm definitely going to pick him up. I feel confident in that spot for him. And worst case scenario, it doesn't work out and I end up switching him out throughout the season, maybe doing a trade or figuring out who else is available out there. I mean, I'm not too worried about that spot necessarily if it's not working out, um, but I have hope for him this season. I'm just not as high as other people are on him. That's fine. And and by the way, if you take Javante, make sure you're getting Samaja Perrine. But to Bob's point, Perrine's a value whether you have Javante or not. You want a guy that you can kick yeah. off the season with? That's that's definitely a guy like that. Yeah, he's a stand, he's a standalone play, at least early on to me. And maybe throughout the season, the way, you know, Sean Payton will share the workload. So I think that's fair.